Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. You're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm Dave Fraser, your host for today's episode. With me are Mike Miller and Alex Cole. Hey. Hello. Uh, we're going to spend a bit of time today running through all things Western Conference. Um, it's been a long summer. Preseason is now well underway. We're just 15, yes, 15 days away from the NBA season. Um, we've, had a good, we've had a good start to preseason, including the Oklahoma City Thunder in Madrid and Barcelona. One of our Double Clutch Podcast's very own Alex Cole was out there. Alex, tell us about that. Oh, what do you want to know? It was a fantastic experience. Um, really, really interesting to cover a team like Oklahoma um, with many of the local journalists that have come over from the US and many European journalists, many languages being thrown around. Um, it was fantastic, really. Really good to see. Really good to experience, you know, how, how the team are working on preseason and how they're molding the the new guys and the rookies and obviously Oklahoma have had such a dramatic off season that that was interesting to see how that started to pan out. Um, just a crazy experience witnessing Russell Westbrook uh, and just feeling the aura surrounding him. Uh, they really weren't incredible against Madrid and Barcelona. Obviously dropped a game to Madrid. Fantastic game. Madrid, well-deserved win, to be honest. They're in overtime. Uh, very, very dramatic. And then the Barcelona game on the Wednesday, which I wasn't out in Spain for, uh, but watched back in England. What was the sort of general feel that you got from you know watching the practices and stuff? Where do you sort of see this team as, as being as a unit and how they're gelling and things like that? Uh, well, I asked um, Coach Donovan that question in particular, really. I was wondering how long he would expect it to take for the for the to gel and especially their roles changing, um, guys like you know Anthony Morrow will, will, will probably have quite a big role on this on this roster. Where if Kevin Durant was a part of that team still, uh, obviously Morrow wouldn't see too many minutes. Uh, but things like that, I asked that question to Donovan. I was to be honest, I was expecting him to put a, a landmark on it, maybe Christmas or the All-Star game. And he said it would take all year, which I guess that gives him a little bit of an excuse if things doesn't go right. Um, but they were certainly, they'd certainly started to work on it. The fact that they played uh, Sabonis from, from the word go was, you know, a telltale sign of how they're going to start the season. Most expected Ilyasova. I think actually coached Donovan before they flew out said that uh, Ilya Sova was probably going to start the season at, at powerful and then Sabonis was going to take over that starting role later on in the year. But I, I think a lot of emphasis will be on him, um, which as a rookie, you know, there's, there's, that's high expectations, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, but it was good to, see, good to see them up close and in person. They seemed to have high spirits. The chemistry was there. Um, but I guess it normally would be at the start of the season, I suppose. We're probably going to talk Kevin Durant a fair bit later on when we, when we touch on the Warriors. Um, I'm interested to see what you thought of Victor Oladipo. He's kind of uh, polarised things slightly. You know, at the Magic, sometimes he was a starter uh, for, for parts of last season in Orlando. He's coming in as, as a sixth man, as like an offensive weapon. Any idea of how they're going to utilise him to at least start off the season? 
Well, when he spoke uh, before the event and certainly during uh, the events in Madrid, he seemed really, really excited to be there. Uh, spoke about training with Westbrook and and how you know he hopes that enthusiasm and um, that his willingness to learn the game and just his you know you know what Westbrook's like his intensity really that rubs off on everyone. Mm. Um, as far as he is concerned, I, I watched him quite closely during the game and I was really interested to see at least three times during the game when uh, Thunder were at the line um, or, or Madrid were at the line, to be honest, he would he would come to the bench and at one point Westbrook took him aside and spoke to him. At one point Donovan took him aside and spoke to him. <coughs> um, I can't remember who one of the other veterans took him aside. And so he, he really is, he does at least seems very, very keen to fit into this team and to learn and to be moulded uh, by the team around him. So you've been to like obviously you've been to the, the Madrid game. You've also been to some of the NBA London events. What's the atmosphere compare? It was really incredible in Madrid, to be honest. Uh, and I mean, I suppose it's a different situation because we're not watching London, the, the London Lions, say, uh, competing against an NBA team. I expect there'd be more enthusiasm in London if that was the case. They're probably slightly more used to. Well, they are slightly more used to seeing very high competitive basketball in Spain um, with the, with Madrid and Barcelona in, in the Euro basket. And they have quite a thriving league themselves, don't they, I think, Spain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the atmosphere, I'd say, was, you know, slightly above what we're used to in London. Definitely something to aim for for us guys. Well, I mean, while, while we're talking about the Thunder, just quickly, because we should we should move on shortly, it's not just about KD and Oladipo. Obviously, they lost Serge Ibaka as well, who... I've always quite highly rated. He's a, he's a big presence inside. Um, he's also got a, a decent jump shot on him on the offensive end. What do either of you make of, of them losing him? I think a back is going to be, a, well, obviously he's going to be a very big loss. Um, inside, Stephen Adams actually got injured halfway through the game against Madrid. And at that point, they were slightly controlling Madrid. Uh, they were ahead by maybe 15 points when he went down. <clears throat> and uh, he didn't return to the game, and it was that point that they started to go downhill. So I think that shows the impact that he has on the on the defensive end of the floor. Um, without a backer, he will have more time on the floor. So I think he's capable of stepping into that role uh, and making them miss a backer less. Um, well, what do you what do you think, Mike? He's uh, I, I think I missed miss his shooting as well. Actually, yeah, I think he's a, a huge loss. Um, on the on the pod we did yesterday, the preview pod, um, all the things to get excited for. We we mentioned him a couple of times, and for me, he's he's a physical, athletic beast that they haven't managed to replace. And though he became too reliant on it in the past couple of seasons, he can. He's got the, the shooting range to spread the floor, and I think that if if they haven't got a guy or a couple of guys in the block who can spread the floor, and they, you know, Ilyasova can spread the floor as as a power forward, but he's not not the same kind of player as a backer by a long shot. But if they if they can't spread the floor, then I think Westbrook will struggle more than he has done because they're already missing. KD who who just stretches defenses brilliantly, so there's going to be a lot less room for 
Russ to, to operate. So I think although he's going to have a beast of a season, I think he's going to have to work a lot harder for the, the opportunities he gets. And that, I certainly agree with that. That is the issue uh, of bringing Oladipo in. When you guys were talking about it on the last pod, uh, I was thinking to myself almost exactly the same thing. Oladipo isn't a good shooter. Well, who have they got that is? I mean, you mentioned Ilias over. He, he can, but he's very inconsistent. Dave, you'll know that as a, as a Bucks fan. When he goes off, he can go off. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's, it's not a consistent enough option for them. Um, and I think that's what they're going to miss. Ibaka was consistently good defensively and offensively. He wasn't going to put up 20 points a game very often, but he was Ibaka was a, a good presence on both ends, and I don't think they've replaced that, even even remotely. They've tried to replace him with pieces, like Adams defensively, obviously very good, but he's not quite got the offensive prowess or range, as Mike alluded to, as Ibaka. So they've tried to replace that with Ilyasova and possibly even Sabonis. I think we saw he's shooting about 35% from deep. Uh, obviously not in the NBA, but they've tried to piece him together with numerous people and that's just not going to work out for them. No. Well, I mentioned that. I think me and Mike actually spoke about this briefly before I went to Madrid um, for me to keep a, a special eye out on Sabonis and and how they were using him and, and what his game was like. He certainly, it seems, can shoot the free. And yeah, I, I noticed that. Yeah. I, I tweeted the other day, if they aren't trying to turn him into a stretch four, then I don't know what they're doing. Because hmm. that, that would really help the team. Mm, that's an interesting insight. That really is. But uh, much like Kevin Durant, I think it's time we move on from OKC to the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> what a fantastic segue. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, guys. What do you think, Warriors? For me this year, the, the pressure is on the Warriors like it has never been before. You, you've broken up the the greatest regular season team of all time. You've replaced them the guys you've got rid of with arguably a stronger superstar who who in theory should take you to the promised land. So for me, there's no sort of time to let them settle in and get used to each other. They are from day one. They need to be, you know, straight out the blocks. They, they can't falter because I think there'll be too much negative criticism early on. Um, but anything less than a championship for them is bust. Yeah, they're they're on a pedestal more than the the the, than the heat, the big three at the heat when they came together. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. that level. It's going to be very very exciting to watch. I I still think they'll get sixty five plus wins. I don't think they'll they'll reach the seventy three mark again. No. I, don't, I don't I don't think they're really aiming for are they? They're, they're going to rest a lot of players down the stretch so they're so they're fit for the playoffs more so than last year when they had you know let's be honest more than one eye on the record. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the reason last year, in retrospect, that they perhaps lost in the finals was that they they went for that record and perhaps that shouldn't have been the main <coughs> focus. The the way this this team is, we, when we talked about when we did a pod, probably or well, must have been well, earlier this year, way before the trade, some point last season, I I said I couldn't see. Durant going there because of how much they'd have to just break up a team and, and the idea of, of team is such a fragile um it's such a fragile environment that you know one player can ruin a team. So if you had essentially what was pretty much the perfect team, why would you mess with that? So if if I think the management will come under a hell of a lot of criticism if they're not, you know, lifting the Larry O'Brien in June. 
I think that it's going to be their biggest weakness this season. They've lost Harrison Barnes, Andrew Boger, Festus Azili, Brandon Rush, very important bench players. And their bench was arguably as important, not as explosive, but as important last season to them as their starting five. They've cut essentially the whole second unit, yeah, well, including including a starter from Harrison Barnes. You could say it's been replaced by KD, but still, yeah. you've got to worry for them. And Bogut started most of the time, but you know, although he wasn't effective against Cleveland for the second year on the bounce, he when he's not injured, he was a key sort of rim protector for him. Yeah, it's it's difficult to see. I mean, Zaza Petuli is a nice pickup. He was he was um, overlooked significantly last year in Dallas. So I I think that I still think well on paper their starting five is better than it was last year, hands down. Mm, yeah, I'd agree with that. But you, yeah, what they've sacrificed is bench, but they've still got they've still got Iggy, they've still got Sean Livingston. There are guys there, and they picked up David West, which is an absolute yeah. great huh. pickup. Going less than a million for the year as well. It's yeah. absolute I mean, he's just tasting the ring now, but a couple of seasons ago he could have taken a much bigger deal, and he's just he's the kind of guy who just turns up, does a job, won't complain. I'm still in shock from it all, to be honest. Look at that team. <laughs> Some of some of some of the um, highlights you've seen from preseason from them have been fun. So we'll see if that translates to the regular season. They they have lost a game already preseason. Yeah, you can't you can't really count that. But did you see? Um, it was like the first five minutes of the game. I think it was the first preseason game against the Clippers, which they ended up just smashing them. Um, but within four minutes or something like that, KD, then Curry, then Clay, then Draymond all had threes, and it was just like. If if they are on, it's going to be a high scoring game. So many open shots for those yeah. guys. Yeah, I saw I saw a graphic the other day um, uh, somewhere on the internet, and uh, it, it just had four shoot those four on the perimeter just lining up waiting for an open shot. And granted, this is preseason, but they were all wide open. That's preseason D, but still, that's a terrifying prospect for any defense, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I can't wait to see if they uh they run a lineup with either Sean Livingston and Iggy in instead of Zaza not playing not playing centre necessarily. I think KD at some point could switch and play a bit of five with his six eleven and however many inches he refuses to add on to that. He's, <laughs> I, I mean, he's not got the physicality to last there long, but they, you could see like six minute stretches where you've just got five guys who could play anything between the one and the three. And that's that's a scary prospect. Yeah, it really is. That's the epitome of modern day basketball, isn't it? On all, yeah. all five on the same team. I uh, just hope that they um they they actually don't try to outdo each other because I already I saw an interview earlier this summer with Clay Thompson saying I'm not sacrificing insert expletive here um for KD, which kind of already makes you think there's a little bit of tension. Like, don't steal my thunder. But there are four alpha males at least in that starting five. I think I think Clay's going to be one of the ones who benefits most from it because he's he's the third threat. So the, the the opponent's best two defenders are going to have to go and cover Steph, and they're going to have to go and cover KD. And he's going to sit there in the corner, and I'm not saying he's going to drop. What was it thirty hit thirty seven in a quarter two years ago? I'm not saying he's going to hit that again, but well, that would be a massively exciting prospect. Um, but slightly lower down the standings, I'm going to use the word slightly. Utah Jazz are a team that very much excite me. I know you talked about them uh, on the last pod, Mike, but both of you talk me through what you think about Utah. This is such a good opportunity for anyone in that West. You, you spoke about it on the last pod, actually, I believe. Outside of the top three, anyone has a chance to to, to get to get that fourth seed and. For me, Utah are possibly favourites for that. 
right now. Yeah, I, I, I think they have got. They're gonna. I think we're gonna see. You've got, you've got two two young teams in their division who could become like fierce rivals over the next few years, and that's that's the Jazz and the Blazers. They're both gonna, you know, they're gonna see each other sort of. Was it four, five, maybe even six times a year? Um, they're just. It's just going to be an all-out. You know, they're two opposing styles of play, but it's going to be. A really exciting prospect. This, this jazz team, I can't, I can't put a ceiling on them at the minute because they're just, there's just so much there that's, that, that we, we're not sure how well it will go, but it all looks like it's going to go really well. And it's, I think, I think Joe mentioned yesterday, it's sort of Hornacek's, um, laid the foundations for this and it's, it's amazing the potential that this, this squad has. They could be a, a beast this year. And then they could be a beast for the next sort of six years. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Look at that that core of that team. You've got Rudy Gobert, Rodney Hood, Gordon Haywood. And then they've also got Derek Favors. They've added some veteran presence, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw, even George Hill. That's an awful lot of talent um, with some youth and some experience all on the same roster. That you'd expect to be pushing for top five in the West. Yeah, I, I think the the two teams you mentioned there, Mike, could could even play each other a few more times because I think they really could be four and five seeds. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think of the playoffs. Yeah, they could they could really go at it. Um, the, the additions there of the uh, the veterans, fantastic. Um, to a, to a young core bunch that, as Mike said, has or hopefully will have quite a few good years in them together. Uh, it's just it's nice to see this franchise relevant again. It really is because they haven't been for a while, and it's just nice to see them out there. Yeah, maybe maybe Gordon Hayward will get his uh, his playoff seed finally because I don't think he's been yet once he's recovered from his finger, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, there there is so much potential in that roster. And and the other team you said is it's kind of up there in and around the four or five spot. You mentioned the Blazers. Obviously, you've got the backcourt duo, which is arguably one of the best in the league, in my opinion, with Lillard and McCollum. What do you make of their summer? Do you think they've added enough to... Because obviously, they, they blew people's expectations out of the water last year, but now they've got people expect them to perform. So can they do that this year? I, I think the additions they've made are good. The Evan Turner pickup, as I said yesterday, you've got a guy there who who's just an extra ball handler, a defensive stalwart, and who can help... Uh, create opportunities for other players. I'm even pleased with pickups like Festus Azili, who, who's already out with a knee injury. But if you look at his contract, it's massively, uh, in Portland's favor. And it's basically a contract that says he needs to prove that he is in a good enough condition medically with his knees to play. Um, and it's, it's basically a steal because if he is playing, he could be one of the elite uh, rim protectors in this league. I remember there was a, in the playoffs last year when he was with Golden State. Um, I think it was a block on Blake Griffin. Might have been DeAndre Jordan, but I'm pretty sure it was Blake Griffin in the playoffs. And I just like, I stood up when I was watching. I said, that's unbelievable. It was like, you know, a foot above the rim. Blake's going for a dunk and there's just one arm just stops it. And it's just, it was a thing of beauty. Um, so if, if he's anywhere near close to, to fit, then I think he's going to be a, a real asset for that team. Yeah, he could be, especially defensively, as you say. Offensively, he's a little bit rusty. He just does the same move over and over again. <laughs> but I've written in my notes here for Portland. I'll let I'll let Mike talk about it. So, <laughs> um, 
I did want to ask you about about Lillard's comments actually, his remarks on on Kevin Durant and the Super Team over in over in Golden State. What what do you uh, make of that? It's quite refreshing to see that old school attitude, but I'm sure he wouldn't be complaining if uh, he went out and picked up a superstar in the off season. No, well, you're gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to miss it. I haven't heard the the comment, or if I have, I've forgotten it. What, what did he say? Oh, he said something like, uh, ooh, you might have to find it here online. It was something I'm not interested in. It wouldn't occur to me to do that. Oh, the idea of him moving. Oh, you know, I can kind of see that with Lily. He seems to be very, um, he's very, he's very, not set in his ways. That's the wrong word, but he's, he's, he's of a certain frame of mind. Like the amount of things he does, he's, he's, he's an incredibly, down to earth and accessible and, and genuine person who, who's just brutally honest. I'm not saying he's like nicey nice all the time. Um, some, some of the stuff he does is just like, just to even sort of on a, on a level where he's engaging with fans is just ridiculous. Like his four bar Fridays where he gets people sending in like rap lyrics. I sound so English and white when I say that, don't I? <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he is definitely a, a rare breed in this league, and I think he's the kind of guy who would want to do it on his own in a similar mould to, to Westbrook as well. I can see that he would never want to leave something he was in charge of to, to go and team up with someone else. Um, yeah. One of my favourite things about, about Kobe is that he's left these young guys that just aspire to be like him, and Players like Westbrook and Lillard really remind me of Kobe when they come out and say stuff like this. Now, another thing about Portland is they're, they're actually ridiculously deep at the minute. They've got like they've got two or three decent players in every position. So even you know Touchwood, they won't suffer them. But unless there's injuries to CJ and Dame, they they should be pretty resilient throughout the season. So I I, I still can't place them where they're going to be. They could they could be the fourth. They could be the sort of sixth or seventh. Depending on how it all goes, um, and but I expect them to. I don't expect them to improve upon last year. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably fair to say. Um, I think it's also fair to say that Lillard wants to be the undisputed leader, which is why I think Evan Turner is a great pickup. He can kind of play the one, two, or three. He's not going to sh- take a lot of outside shots. In fact, he shouldn't be taking any. He's not good enough. He'll be passing the ball to Lillard and McCollum for. For lots of open shots, and that, I think that's only going to benefit them even more, which is a terrifying prospect, if you ask me. And their depth with players like Alan Crabb, Myers Leonard, Mo Harkless—not hugely household names, but still very deep, as you say. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Another one that's interesting for me uh, is the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I, I can never get my head around what's going on in, in Sacramento. It's it's Demarcus Cousins' team for as long as he's there. But they never seem to want to surround him with significant enough talent to have an impact or even sort of sniff the playoffs. They've got some got some good players, but they've got some players with histories. Let's put it that way, like you know, like Matt Barnes, like Ty Lawson. It's just um, I don't know. It seems like a lot of combustible uh, characters are going to be in that locker room. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can manage all those egos. Yeah, exactly. I think the, the, the sheer volume of, of people they've brought in this summer, like the additions like Aflalo, Temple, Tolliver, Matt Barnes, as you say, they've got quite a few drafted, Maliki Richardson, Scalabissier, they even got another Cousins, Isaiah Cousins, um, new coach as well. I mean, it's all all going on in Sacramento, 
Rondo's gone as well. Yeah, that 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 was a good move. Yeah, not bringing him back. It's such a team of misfits. Yeah, I'm disappointed they've moved out of this sleep train arena. To be honest, but <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, that, the new arena is supposed to be pretty good, isn't it? Um, oh, it looks fantastic. At least that's an exciting part of that franchise. Yeah, wonder... A bit harsh on the Kings. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of. <laughs> I, I just, I just see potential on that team that just gets wasted. It's 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 a sad thing, and I think it's it's the the management and the the ownership, but not pushing the franchise forward in the right way at all. Uh, they're they're too quick to change things, and they're too quick to pick up players who perhaps aren't best suited for them. Um, I mean, Rudy Gay doesn't want to be there. He said that already. And if if you've got a, for me, I don't know why they'd even let him in the practice facility then, because if you've already told me you don't want to be here then I don't want you having a negative influence on the rest of my guys. I mean, they've got t- some talent there. They've got Cousins. They've got Collison. I'm still I'm still not giving up hope on Macklemore. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein could be a, a decent, solid starting centre, but it, it's not enough. Not enough in the West. Not even enough in the East. No, you're just waiting for something to happen each year. And uh, Could this be the year that Cousins gets traded or...? I don't know. Who knows? I seem we seem to wait for that every every um every season. It just doesn't happen. And uh, yeah, I think they'll end up somewhere near the bottom again. Unfortunately. Yeah. Does Cousins want to be there? I mean, you you spoke about Rudy Gay. I don't know. If Cousins even wants to be there, to be honest. Yeah, it's, he's he's a very difficult guy to understand. He's quite mercurial in his in his just his, his general emotional spectrum. He's um they need him there. I, I think how. Several times I think he's wanted out, especially with the whole snake in the grass, George Carl thing last summer. Um, but, you know, every time they side with him uh, over the coach. And I'm I'm still disappointed they got rid of Mike Malone, to be honest. I thought he was doing a good job. We'll, we'll probably talk about what he's doing in a minute with the Nuggets. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's doing some good, good stuff over in Denver as far as I'm concerned, and that's... As you say, you know, Sacramento could have done with that. Mm. Well, look, while, while we're on it, why don't we talk Denver? Why don't we talk one half of the London game? Yes. So this is uh, this is one half of the London game. This is Mike Malone's uh, second year of uh, what he's doing, the experiment in Denver. Um, they haven't been relevant since uh, George Carl actually left, um, which, is a, which is another nice segue there. And uh, well, what, what do we say about them? But for, for me, this season is all about performance rather than results. I think honestly, if they just miss out on the playoffs, that isn't necessarily a bad thing for them this season. And yeah, I think I think they just need to show growth. They they got three first round picks and a second round pick to go yeah. with people like Moudier, who only was a rookie last year. I mean, we're we're talking a very very young team. Even Fareed, one you'd argue is one of their vets, is still young. I think they've got the most exciting young players probably in the NBA in in terms of the amount of young exciting young players they've got. You mentioned a couple there. Jamal Murray, who they drafted this summer, is he can be a real good scorer in the NBA, I think. Um Udi, he had a bit of an up and down season, didn't he? Um, but he started to hold it to get it together after the All Star game. Uh Jokic and, and Nurkic there, who looks like it'll be starting four and five now. Which is exciting. 
Yeah, talk about that because that's interesting to think that Fareed wouldn't be in their starting lineup. I think Fareed, I, I, I love the animal. I'll put that out there straight away. I just don't think he's going to fit with this team the way it's moving now. There's a there's a lot of we'll call them European players uh, in the mix, and his style of play I don't think suits the Euro style. Um, I thought the the squad made huge strides forwards last year without needing him to contribute much, um, and they've also got guys like Wilson Chandler coming back who was out was it his hip he did, but he was out for the whole year last year. So yeah. They've got yeah. decent contributors coming back. Um, and they've just got a, a pretty young core that can, that showed signs that they could play some really good basketball last year. So I actually think this is, this London game could be pretty good, even though, you know, there's, there's no sort of rivalry between the two sides. I think we're going to get some pretty decent basketball in January. Yeah. Moody, I, Murray and, um, uh, Gary Harris is quite an exciting backcourt. Like some co- kind of combination of those three at any time on the court is is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And you know who else they've got? They got Mike Miller. They have the Mike Miller, the yeah. NBA Mike. What do you mean the Mike Miller? <laughs> oh, the, NBA, the NBA Mike Miller. The, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. In his sixteenth year, it's amazing. That is longevity personified. Uh, but speaking of another young roster destined for good things in my opinion at least uh the minnesota timberwolves oh the minnesota timberwolves i i I didn't get to say much on these guys yesterday um other than that i'm super excited to to watch them grow this year um the you know it's sad to see garnett be bought out and sort of shown the door um i'm sure he'll be involved with the with the franchise in some capacity in the future but this you know it's it was a clear sort of that was then, this is now sort of moment. And they've really sort of thrown everything behind um, their youngsters, Levine, Anthony Towns, or Carl Anthony Towns rather, um, and Wiggins. That's, that's an exciting three right there. There's going to be, if there's not wins, there's going to be highlight reels. Uh, but I've seen somewhere that Carl uh, Anthony Towns has been suggested, what was it, that he, he will be, Top three in MVP votes next year, which is it's, it's a stretch, and I think it's not going to happen. But just the fact that there is that sort of statement being made about him tells you what kind of talent they've got. Was that was that a statement by Carl Anthony Towns, or was it by <laughs> someone else? No, it wasn't. It was um, oh, I can't remember the name of the guy. There's a reporter on on another podcast. Uh, I think it was on the ringer. And I was just right. like, when I heard it at the time, I was like, what? And then he, he sort of went into the reasons why. And, uh, after he said it, I was like, well, okay, it was maybe not as far fetched as it, as it was, uh, originally sounding. But I mean, I, I don't think he'll be top three, but I certainly think he's going to be an all star this year. And if he continues to, to play like he did last year, he, he's going to be an absolute beast. Yeah, me too. I love this guy. I, he really does talk the talk as well. That, that quote there is something that he, possibly come out with he's um he's mentioned trying to be the greatest of all time a few times i think yeah um, when he comes out with stuff like that yeah there's the he seems to have the right attitude um and it basically if, if you're playing fantasy basketball he's going to be one of your top picks he has to be yeah he's great i mean this whole team actually is is kind of everyone's favorite second team 
reminds me of uh, the Newcastle United team back in the in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, put a soccer football spin on thing. Um, one thing I love to talk about though is obviously uh, with Thibodeau now, um, how good they'll be defensively because I think that will really really elevate them their game and and it will be what makes us talk about the Timberwolves as a serious playoff contender. Um, by playoff contender, I don't necessarily mean they're going to go deep in the playoffs, but you know they're going to start solidifying themselves in those eight spots. Um, with Thibodeau, I think you're almost guaranteed there to be a what top top half at least defensive team in the league, maybe top ten. Yes, it's, it's, that much. It's, of them. it's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at that roster with um, Levine, Wiggins, uh, Towns, and then they've also got Chris Dunn, who granted might be coming off the bench behind Rubio, who's just going to like pass, 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 pass you kind of tend to overlook what they could do defensively this year. And if they can put it all together, then it's not unrealistic to think they could make it through the first round of the playoffs, at least. Yeah, it's it's not. I think I've, I've got a lot of um, love for Thibodeau. I think he's a fantastic uh, coach. Uh, I think he's he's great at getting teams to, to play together and to, to work their butts off on defense. Um, I think this is the perfect sort of team for him as well because they are so young. That they haven't got miles on their legs, like they haven't logged all the minutes that he and he he's known for making players log heavy minutes. I think Deng, when he was with the Bulls, Deng led the league in minutes, and as soon as he leaves the Bulls, his his sort of um, you realise how many miles Tibbs has actually made him do. Um, and I think this is the perfect sort of team for him to have because they are young, they can be moulded, he can he can you know, sort of direct them with their attitudes. Carl Anthony Towns seems to be all ears and, and saying exactly the right things that you, as a coach you'd want to hear. And they're just not at the age where you start to see the wear and tear. What what will be interesting for me is five years down the line, how many of these guys are, are suffering from from the minutes that they've logged. It will, it will be interesting to see how, how they get on in that respect. Uh, I think if we've learned anything from this is that we probably should do a separate podcast on the Timberwolves. I think we've all got a lot to say. Uh, <laughs> but the risk of boring the listeners uh, and not progressing, let's talk about uh, Phoenix Suns, um, which I believe was, we always have to finish off with. Sorry, Ross. So uh, Sorry, Ross. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited. How good has Booker been in the preseason? Oh I wondered whether, He's... you know, would he carry it on? And, but blimey. He looks real class, doesn't he? He always, I mean, last season and this preseason, he, he just seems to carry it on. He yeah. definitely showed a lot last season, but um, this preseason he's taken, didn't he drop 30 odd um, last night or the night before? Yeah, um, I think it was like almost 35 and 5 or something like that. It was it was in three quarters. It was something yeah, ridiculous. That's right. But he, he, yeah, uh, he's an incredible talent. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I remember Alex, uh, I think Alex sent me the, a training video of, of Booker and it was just a minute long of him draining three after three after three after three. he didn't miss for about a minute straight which when you, when he's just taking shot after shot is phenomenal video game might, game yeah he is pure he is really pure uh, and I know you you alluded to this on the on the pods uh, the, the most recent one they have got something of a log jam they've got three very very good guards um, in Bledsoe Knight and Booker yeah, and they and they picked up Archie Goodwin, and who yeah. was who was pretty good in the summer, uh, if I recall. Was it the summer? 
I, I, I remember him playing really well recently. Yeah, to me, Bledsoe is a, a ball dominant guard who's gonna who's gonna want to be the man. I don't see that working with with Booker because Booker, although he's not he's not a dominant con- in the way that he's demanding the ball. He's the kind of guy you'd say, hold on a sec, you are incredibly good. Please take the ball. And I, I think that might cause some issues with, with Bledsoe. I mean, I've been saying it to, to Ross all, well, for the best part of the last eight months now is that I don't see how they're going to they're gonna fit together. I wouldn't be surprised if Bledsoe goes. Can Booker create his own shot? I think so. I don't think Bledsoe's a distributing point guard anyway. I think he's a... I, I would rather see Brennan Knight stay with Booker then Bledsoe stay with Booker. I think you're right, but the, the other thing is, I, th- I think um, Brandon Knight does take a lot of threes, and he's quite good at it as well. But he, he's not the prototype uh, ball handling pass first point guard either. They've got three shot heavy players in those in those positions, and I think they might need to trade um, one of them away soon. And and for for someone like a Rubio, not necessarily Rubio, but someone who is just going to look to get those players involved. That would really be handing the keys to Booker. And yeah, I, I think most people agree that's the way forward. The other sort of side of the team as well, you, you've still got guys like Tyson Chandler there. And I, I wonder whether he's helping or hindering Alex Lynn's development at this point. Hindering absolutely 100%. They tried to play the two alongside each other, the four and the five. They're both fully fledged centers. Uh, and that did not work. They did not have the speed um, or the agility to keep up at any point with that lineup. Um, and Chandler, as good as he is, a former Defensive Player of the Year, if I'm not mistaken, is 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 getting on a bit, and Len is the future. They've got to give him the minutes. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think I, Chandler's gets injured a lot. He's got to be one of the league leaders in technical fouls as well. That's not, you know, for a fifth, he's a 15 year vet. It's not exactly what you want. Um, I, and I don't mean this to disrespect him because he is he has been a talent. He's been part of a championship team, but he's not, yeah, of course, he's not someone you want to rely on heavily for minutes, even though he quite frequently got double-doubles last year. I'm quite keen to see what Alex Len at 7'1", paired with Dragon Bender at 7'1", will be like as a front-court pairing. That will be very interesting to watch. As you, you haven't even, We haven't touched on the rookies yet. Dragon Bender and Marquise, is it? Marquise, Chris? Chris, yeah. Chris. yeah. A couple of good players there um, who have both well, it looks like Finns had quite good pre-seasons as well. I don't see this team being a playoff team this year, but I see them having... I think this might be a league pass team where you, you they're going to get beat a lot, but they're, you're going to see some absolute glimmers of, of just diamonds in the rough, basically. I think it all depends on, on how they set up to play and, and who they play through, whether they think, you know what, it is Booker's time, it's his moment, or whether, you know, it's... Bender's moment, or you know, whoever they decide to go to, um, they have also picked up some decent vets, and in, in Jared Dudley for one, um, he can play more or less the two, three, or four, um, pretty pretty well actually, and obviously he can shoot the ball quite well, so he could be quite a handy option off the bench for them. Absolutely, and he's a massive locker room presence as well. He's going to be sort of this this ideal sort of mentor character. So to have him. With all these youngsters, I think is a is a is a good it's a good situation for them to be in. They've also brought back Barbosa, so you've got another guy there with recent championship experience who can sort of be a guiding hand to these youngins. So that I mean, they're they're it's not doom and gloom, but it, it's it's not playoff basketball yet. Sorry, Ross. Sorry, Ross. Sorry, Ross. Uh, and that's the perfect place to leave it, as as predicted. Um, I, this is one I'm not sure how to gauge from the summer. 
Uh, I'm interested to see what you two think about the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, obviously, they, they re-signed Connolly to just an outrageous contract. Five years, 152 million. Um, they've also added China Parsons uh, and a few others. So, so what do you make of them? Getting Conley, picking Conley up again was huge. Uh, it was really, you know, I, I didn't expect it to really go any other way. They they had to to keep this team going, um, but by signing him, they do keep the team going. I see Fisdale has um, come out and said that uh, Zach Randolph will start on the bench this season. Um, was that was that mentioned on the pod the other day? Yeah, well, it briefly it was. was. I think Jermichael Green's going to start instead. Um, so that gives them some youth up front. But uh, to me, it's I think I think grit and grind is has died a death, and they need to dying breed. Yeah, yeah. They, they they're not transitioning quickly enough from that style to a new style. I'm, I'm not seeing where. Like I know people are still going to put them. Like, I think Joe was saying yesterday he he can see them as high as fourth, but I can't see them as high as that. In and uh, you know I'm not sure on. On Mark Gasol on his foot. Mike Conley, he's ne- still never been an all-star. He's, have you, can you imagine that? He's, he's, he, at one point he was the highest paid player in the league and he's never been an all-star. That's crazy. Um, yes, yeah, it speaks volumes of how bonkers that deal was. I yeah. really, when I saw that, I, I was genuinely taken aback. But one of the things we've been hearing now for years is how underrated Mike Conley is. That cannot be said now because you cannot say someone's underrated when they're on that kind of money. So is he, is he second only to LeBron now? Because LeBron signed some stupid deal after that. Yeah, they've still they they still got Vince. Does Chandler Parsons help? I've no, I've not been a big fan of Parsons. Um, see, see, I don't think he particularly you know transitions them into a team that is anything other than grit and grind. Still, really. Yeah, I mean they they have been crying out for an outside shooter, consistent threat for for seasons now, and they finally got one, but. This is this isn't the team that was borderline finals two years ago. This is this is a this team has aged very quickly. Yeah, I must admit, I do see them finishing quite high in the in the conference standings, but then just kind of flopping out the playoffs. Where, where do you see them getting to roughly? Uh, probably five. Yeah, five to five to six around yeah. there. Okay, that's, yeah, it's not too much of a stretch. Um, I, I mean, I'm not much further down. I'm, I'm sort of seeing six and seven, um, maybe an eight. And I can see if, if Gazol's foot's not working or, um, needs further work doing on it. Cause he, is, was he a metatarsal as well? But the amount of surgeries that, s- that some of these guys need to, to fix a broken foot and at seven, one, 255 pounds. Yeah, they're big. Side Pounding away on the same injury, it's uh, it can be can be tough. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's just put it this way: I think it was David Aldridge who said that the key men for the Memphis Grizzlies this year are the doctors Robert Anderson and Drew Murphy, just to keep yourself fit. <laughs> I mean, what does that tell you? That says everything you need to know about the Grizzlies this year, I think. And, and I think Mike is bang on. I can see sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth. It really does depend on injuries and how certain players fit. I think. Chandler Plasters, just for argument's sake, is actually a very good pickup. He's a six foot ten legitimate shoot uh, small forward who can play inside and can stretch the floor as well. I think, and they have added some three point shooting in Troy Daniels, who I don't think I've seen ever do anything other than shoot three. So um, that'll be interesting. Um, we we've got a long way in this pod, and we've not mentioned a couple of the real big dogs in the West. Um, 
namely the, the Spurs and the Clippers. Someone kick me off with a bit of Spurs prediction because it's been a bit of a bit of a quiet summer for them. Okay, this is my hot take. The San Antonio Spurs lost the greatest player in their franchise history and got better. Wow, yes. okay. See, I, I think they had a good summer. People say they didn't, but I have seen that a lot. People saying, oh, you know, Duncan's gone and, you know, they're slow. They've got a slow front court. Even Gasol, you know, makes them slower, arguably. The Spurs but, have been slow since, like, 95. Exactly. <laughs> And they are still so classy. <laughs> they are they are just the epitome of how a franchise should be run. They're, most teams, you lose your star player, like Kobe, they held on to him for too long, didn't put the players around him. Now they find themselves probably finishing at the bottom of the pack. The Spurs made some fantastic acquisitions along the way, managed to to create a team environment that people want to be part of and will sacrifice money to be part of. And they, they, their greatest players walked away and left, left, you know, the keys to the franchise in Kawhi's hands. And he's he's just an absolute beast himself. They, I think Gazol was a huge pickup for them. I, I can't believe the Bulls let him go. I know he's a liability on defence, but he's pretty much guaranteed a double-double. He's, he's still... Got it on offense. Yes, they got absolutely wiped out in the playoffs last year after I think they had a really good game against the Thunder in the first game of the series and then they got smashed, if I recall correctly. But yeah, I, I think they are still going to be top three, possibly even top two. It, it will be hard to look too much, too far beyond that. They've, like I said, they've still got Kawhi, they've still got Ginobili. Uh, they've added Gasol. They've, they've basically had a massive overhaul of their front court. They've got rid of Duncan, Diaw, West, and Marjanovic, and they brought in Gasol, Deadman, uh, David Lee, who is is so confusing to me. I've been a fan of his for so long, and he can't find the minutes um, in recent seasons. He used to be a legitimate twenty ten guy. Yeah, and when it, when he went, I mean, he kept himself in shape in Boston last year, even though he wasn't getting any time. And when he went to Dallas. I remember watching him and, and thinking, how is this guy not getting more time? He is, he's in good shape. He's running up and he's busting it up and down the floor. He's, he's a, th- a threat on the glass at both ends and he can score. He can score quite easily. I, I don't understand how he doesn't get the minutes. Um, I mean, he's, he's not the defensive presence, uh, that some others are. And we haven't even mentioned Lamarcus Aldridge. Oh, of course. Wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I know I know players get old. I do get that. But a couple of years ago, if you'd said, right, you can have a team with Lamarcus Aldridge and Pogasol in, you know, together, you, you you would say, well, they're going to be a good team. Yeah. That's not even taking into consideration all these other guys we've mentioned. Tony Parker, incredible player. Kawhi Leonard, could be MVP this year, to be honest. Yeah, he's in with a shout. Danny Green could have a bounce back year. I don't think last year was a great year for him. Uh, no, I can't remember exactly what it was, but his shooting stats, which is mainly what he's on the roster for, were, were abysmal by his own high standards. Yeah, and they they had um, Jonathan Simmons was a, a pretty solid rookie. I'm expecting more from him this year. I yes, mean, they're not quick. Tony Parker got exposed against the, the younger, quicker guards. Um, but Paddy Mills isn't a bad pack up either. He makes up for the the any loss of legs that Tony Parker's got. Yeah. So no, I I, I I honestly think that 
the team this year is better than the team last year. And that's not a slight on Duncan either because he was fantastic defensively. Um, he just couldn't log the minutes that they need from him. I think you're going to get more minutes out of Gasol and you're going to get more offense out of Gasol. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, well, that was my point. I mean, his, um, that I was going to make there, his, his minutes were, um, diminishing, weren't they? Last year, he, yeah. he didn't play a minute. So it's not like he had a huge impact on the team. I mean, obviously, as you say, defensively and in the locker room and everything else, future Hall of Famer, you know, <laughs> you can't really, start to replace those aspects but um had a damn good job of doing it i think yeah and it's been it was a transition thing that's been going on for originally the first transition was to from from timmy to to tony and manu and then they you know timmy stuck around and then there's Kawhi comes in it's just it's just ridiculous how they managed to acquire these incredible talents so deep down the down the draft and then turn them into to well, you got to think that all four of them are going to be Hall of Fame players at this rate. Yeah, so solid. They're such a solid team. Yeah, so that, that's my thoughts on the Spurs anyway. Well, we'll wait and see. I, th- I, th- I still think they're, they're going to be pushing the top of the West. Um, yeah. But another team that should arguably be pushing for the top of the West, and we've been saying this for ages, uh, the Clippers. Last chance saloon. Yeah, do or die time. Absolutely. They got bailed out last year. With the injuries, I think if they hadn't, if they'd have been healthy last year in the playoffs and suffered the same fate they did, I don't see this team being brought back together the way they are um, for one last run at it. No, I, I think yeah. Even if things have started to go slightly downhill at trade deadline, maybe they they explore trade options. It's both CP3 and Blake uh, as free agents next summer. Is that right? I know that Blake has an option, which he's got to take because the money next summer is going to be ridiculous for a guy of his talent. Um, JJ Reddick is out of contract next season. Don't know about CP3 though. Let me, let me do a quick bit of Googling. Yeah, sure. I, I believe he is. Um, well, Mike does that. Um, Alex, I'll talk to you about their acquisitions, uh, over the summer. They brought in some, Interesting players, players I wouldn't necessarily think of with, with the Clippers. Um, they, they brought in Murray Spates, Raymond Felton, Brandon Bass. Uh, they drafted Bryce Johnson, who's quite an interesting prospect coming in. Um, they've only really lost Prigioni, Jeff Green, Cole Aldrich. I, it, it, do you think they've improved or do you think they've just kind of more or less like for like? Yeah, like for like. It's Doc Rivers, the Doc Rivers way, isn't it? To, to, sign players that everyone else thinks is one or two years behind their peak um, and on, on their way down. Mm. Uh, that seems to be kind of what they've done this year. Um, I mean, I love Spates. I mean, I think he's a good acquisition to any team, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. He's proven he could be a decent jump shooter and, um, kind of for his position. It's only cost him $2.9 million for two years. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be the difference between a championship and no championship. That's the thing. He's he's not. He's going to play a role. Uh, Chris Paul has a player option at the end of this year. So you've got to think that it's a difficult one for him, actually. He's 11 years in the league. Is this going to be his last big paycheck? I mean, arguably it could be. I have seen him at his peak and I've seen him last season. I don't think he was quite there uh, for no. one reason or the other. Um, but obviously he's still an elite point guard and he is going to still try and get 
Griffin, Jordan, Redick and co involved in the game and still dropped 20 points himself. So he is still such a good player. Um, I think a lot of a lot of teams would, would, would be after him and they'd be daft not to. I think the only thing that can yeah. save the Clippers is, I guess, if those two agree to take a discount and try and sign another huge free agent in the summer. Okay, so quickly before we move on, we've got a few more teams to hit. Um, quick prediction, whereabouts in the in the West? My my, if see, I'm I'm, I'm keep flip flopping as to whether they're going to be second or third, with either San Antonio being the other team, Golden State top, and the two and three is going to be between those two. Third for me. Right. Well, I don't think it's uh, too much of a stretch to look beyond that. Um, what about the Pelicans? Because I don't feel like. Pretty harsh, maybe, but I don't feel like Anthony Davis quite lived up to the expectations. He didn't quite progress as much as we all hoped last season. That That is a testament to how high our expectations were for him. Yeah. Because he still had a pretty good season. Like, I mean, yeah, they, they were injured. It, it must have been a hard season for him anyway. He, he didn't perform as we wanted him to. He uh, still played a lot better than most guys in this league. And he did it the whole time with it. Was it a torn labrum in his shoulder? He, when he got, went down for surgery, he's like, yeah, I've been playing with a torn labrum for years. I think we'll see a bounce back year from him. I still think they're going to struggle to make the playoffs. I think Buddy Heald is, is great pickup and will f- probably flourish in that, that team and, and Gentry's offense, as, as Joe mentioned yesterday. But I think again, this, this team, it's not cursed, <laughs> but last year they had so many injuries and this year with the Drew Holiday, Situation. It just seems that they they can't get anything to go their way. Yeah, I, I think Pondexter's injured to start the season as well. Potentially, who um, he is quite a big a big guy for them. I, I mean, I've got written down here some names, and some players that I think could make a difference this year uh, for them. And I've got players like Solomon Hill and uh, Etwan Moore and Tim Frazier, and I mean. <laughs> When you're looking at names like that, you know what I mean? I, I really don't see them going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean Tim, Tim Frazier last year had a couple of 10-day contracts with the, the Blazers and that was it because there was no opportunity there. And now, I mean, he's going to get some opportunities because of the, the Drew Holiday situation. So you'll get to see whether guys who are sort of on the outskirts of the league and not quite yeah. making he, it he might be are actually, you know, how good they are. Who else have they got? I mean, Norris Cole's gone now. He's in China, isn't he? Yeah, so... I would like to say they've got Buddy Heald and I think he'll be quite a big threat. They also quite often play Tyreek Evans running the point times on the floor. Um, they've got Langston Galloway, who, okay, not a big name, but he's always done a role at the Knicks. And this is starting right, to sound like a Philadelphia 76ers team. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've decided these lot are going to be my... These are going to be my Western Conference lead pass team. I'm going to start watching them. And see how it goes. Because when you've got Anthony Davis, I don't know, you've always got a chance in a game. And we'll see. I I think it could be one of those situations where on paper they've got a lot worse. But yeah, I don't think it's so much much of a stretch to, to, to suggest that. But they have still got the number six pick from the draft. And if he lives up to his expectation, along with players like Evans and, and AD and stuff, it, you know, they could surprise. They could do better than we think. Evans is a guy who really needs to show his pedigree. I mean, he was he was highly touted and, and has never lived up to the expectations. And if there's a time to do it, this, this would be it. Okay, so what of the Houston Rockets? Um, what are we thinking for them 
post Dwight Howard? Um, is is James Harden going to have to do it all himself, or has he always? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't he always? Uh, me, myself, and James. <laughs> um, he he, incredible talent again. I'm just I'm just not sure they're they're putting the guys around him that. That he needs. I, I think that the Dwight Howard situation needed to be resolved. If I'm a GM, I'm not looking at a, a post 30 center who wants lots of money for being frequently injured as a, as a, as an acquisition I want on my roster. Uh, saying that he's probably going to go out and average a double double <laughs> for the Hawks. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they've got some good young guys as well. I was, I was impressed with Clint Capella last year and I just thought that that's a guy that could come on really well. They've still got Patrick Beverly who, um, I don't know if you guys heard heard his interview on the, the vertical with Woj, but he he um, he he is uh, basically willing to take on anyone who walks near him in a in a, in a fight for his position on this team. So that sounds like him. Yeah, he he totally lived up to it. I mean, they've added they've added more offense with Anderson and Gordon, but well, it's a classic D'Antoni team. They have they spent a lot of money. They four years and eighty million on Anderson, four years and fifty three million on Gordon. Uh, they brought in Pablo Prigioni for cheap, but that's a, that's a lot of three point shooting there. Is that is that a sign that James Harden's going to be told, look, you can shoot the three, but you're not to be shooting twelve a game? I, I think D'Antoni has probably said to James Harden, um, "What would you like to do? You can do it." He's got. I think he's got a green light all over the place. I mean, even even the big men they brought in, Nene, that's that's an offensive-minded acquisition. Mm. Three point shooters are probably just guys that can stretch the floor and leave lanes for Harden to run into and draw fouls and get the M ones and you know, yeah, go to the. I'm I'm never a big fan of watching Harden's games. No, I find it frustrating. Sorry. He do, he does shoot a lot of um, a lot of threes that just kind of clank off the rim, and then he does try and draw contact. But I mean, that is how his game works. That's where he gets a a big so chunk of his points yeah. from the line. But yeah, this this team's going to go go as far as he can take them. So if he turns up in shape this year, then and with a chip on his shoulder like he had two years ago when people said you don't play defense, so he turned up and played average defense. <laughs> then, this is good for him. That they could be a handful. They could go to sort of. They could push. Well, I say they could push. I, I mean, they could, in theory, if everything if they hit gold, they could get the fifth seed. But even that's sort of a, a a slight towards them. When two years ago they were, what were they? Were they one? Of, they were, were they a conference finalist? Just two years ago, and then they, last year they were an eighth seed. Yeah, they only they, anyway. only averaged five, you know, fifty percent, forty-one and forty-one last year, which you'd, you'd expect more from a, a team with Harden and even Howard, who's been the decline since his Magic days. You'd expect more. Um, Do you so think they'll make the playoffs, guys? Yeah, just. Yeah, lower, lower. Yeah. I think, I think six tops. I think sixth would be a bit of a stretch for that. Um, that roster, to be honest, they could do. I mean, if all clicks and you know James Harden can win games on his own in the same way that Russell Westbrook drives, they could go further. But I, I can't see them getting much more than seventh or eighth. I, I really want to see what Gary Payton the second. <laughs> And I hope he talks as much as his dad did. Trash talker. Yeah, that that would be amazing. We we they need to bring back trash talk. It's got too nicey nicey. There you go. Another another hot take. Bring back the trash talk and plenty more technicals all around. Dallas Mavericks. So we've only got two teams left that we haven't mentioned. One of them is the Mavericks. They've obviously just brought in Harrison Barnes. Um 
as well as Andrew Bogut. That is 40% of the starting lineup of the Warriors from last season. Is that a really good thing for them or are they just, is it not going to work out? Every time I see Harrison Barnes shooting badly, I think of Mike Miller. Which as one? In, Al Mike. <laughs> Which one? Yeah. As in you, Mike. As in me, the one who's got a UNC Harrison Barnes jersey <laughs> in his cupboard right now. Yeah. He's, uh, I, he's come under the cosh a bit pre-season already. He seems to be faltering under the pressure. That's what it, that's what it is to me. He's, he's okay when the pressure's not on him. Uh, but go ahead, sorry. He's come under the cosh already. No, yeah, well, no, you're right. Like, following up from his, his finals performance and his, his lack of shooting at the end there. Uh, oh, some ridiculous numbers. I'm not even going to try and quote them, but two from 17 and stuff like that. Just ridiculous. Yeah, that was painful. It made me question my uh, my faith in Harrison, but um, I think he is going to have a bounce back year. And that is such a, a Homer statement because uh, I've got nothing to back that up. <laughs> other than the fact someone's decided to give him, is it 80 million? Some stupid 94. amount of money. 94 million. Oh, to have 94 million having been that bad in your previous role. Um, I, I do think, can you imagine that? I do think that just goes to show they got a bit of faith in him and he is a good player. I think everyone can yeah. see he's, he's a very talented player. Um, he has had some, maybe he choked, maybe he was surrounded by too much talent and he, he just kind of tried to keep up, which he was never going to win. Yeah. Um, but in Andrew Bogut as well, that's a, that's a handy one because obviously they've shipped off Zaza after one season. He was very good for them. Um, they've gone for another former buck. Yeah, and if if healthy, then Bogut could be a, a real decent player for them. Um, I think he'll he'll take a lot of the pressure off Dirk down low. Uh, not that Dirk's ever been known for his sort of rim protection. Um, but yeah, he's anything now to just ease Dirk's workload and, and keep him just plodding along. Um, you know, they they're going to do because it's it's something it's it's ridiculous that at his age, in his 18th season or his 17th last year, he was one of the most efficient players in the league alongside people like KD, and yet he was doing it in you know half the time they do it in. And there was some weird. I saw some tweet earlier this year from was it, it was one of the trainers. It might have been the physio or something like that, uh, or the strength and conditioning coach of the Mavericks who'd put down the average speeds of the player and. Uh, players on the on the squad and and Turk was like less than five miles an hour. It might have been like three miles an hour. It was, uh, it was it, and Dirk was just like, why why have you made this public? Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But it's amazing. He, he you know we talk about pace and space, and yet at his age and his speed, he can still be an, an efficient and an effective player on the floor. German efficiency. Yeah, yeah Volksblum Deutsch technique. Yeah, they've, they've got Darren Williams there still. Who um, who I'm I still like to watch, but yeah, everyone has forgotten about him. He was so explosive, but he's not got that explosiveness in him anymore because he's all his injuries have just taken his his key attribute away from him. Yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of his. It feels to me like his last sort of stop. I don't know, you know, whether any team would pick him up after this. Certainly, I think it's his last spot as a as a starter, and then you've got. Wes Matthews, who in, in theory could be better this year because it's, it's a long process recovering from an Achilles, uh, which he blew out with the Blazers two years ago. Um, he could be a good scorer, but again, he's, he's not your elite level, um, superstar. 
they they just seem to the lack they lack a star. I mean, that's you know, Dirk aside, he is old. <laughs> he he can't carry the team on his own. I don't think there's enough support around him um, to to get the job done. Yeah, I think it's uh, difficult to, difficult to argue with that. I think Steph Curry's little brother will become a valid NBA player this season. I think he will. I love Steph didn't Curry. He have, didn't he have some ridiculous amount of threes the other day already this he, in, the, in the preseason? He, didn't he hit something stupid? He did. He, I think he's had a 20-point game and a 15-point game already or something along those lines. I'm pretty sure he did the same last preseason. I think I wrote an article for the Double Clutch podcast about Steph Curry. Is this his finalist time? You know, I think it was with the Kings maybe. Uh, is this his time to, you know, finally be a legitimate NBA player? I think he probably is, but um, he's got to show it. Who, who else they got at shooting guard to the Mavericks this season? Wesley Matthews. Yeah, uh, that's that's the thing. Wesley Matthews, if you know, fully fit, is going to play the lion's share of minutes. You'd like to think they bring on Seth Curry for ten, fifteen minutes a game just to get the ball and shoot threes. But if if that becomes too predictable, then which it probably will. They've got Devin Harris still, but he's more. He was more of a point. Mm. He's also. And then they've still got J.J. Barea, but again, hey, actually, I tell you what, J.J. Barea is the only one shorter than Seth Curry on this run. <laughs> uh, but how good was J.J. Barea in the Mavericks um, championship run, that, that spark plug? He's still Has he still got that spark plug um, kind of in his arsenal? I don't think he does. I just think he works well with Dirk. They just seem to connect really well between them. Um the guy I'm most excited about seeing on this roster is uh, Dwight Powell, mm. who looked like a beast last year in the, in the limited minutes he got. He was just athletic and rim protector. There's the, there was a clip of him dunking last year where I thought he was going to snap the rim. It was just he, he had. I, I'm intrigued. Sorry, no, no. I was just saying he had a really long run in the in the, in the starting five for a while because of injuries. Uh, him yeah. and Mesury came in and kind of shared a lot of minutes, and he was a very very. Not a very polished player, but like I say, very explosive, likely to put up points, blocks, boards. He, he's definitely a very handy player for them in either power forward or maybe even centre as well. Yeah. And that leads us on to the one final 15th team. Um, can you guess who we've missed out? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about them. I like how we, yeah, I like how we offer apologies to, uh, to Ross, but not to Matt. <laughs> well, you know, sorry Matt for leaving them last, but, um, you know, I, I, no, I'm, I'm going to hold fire on what I think about the Lakers this year. Why don't you two dive in and tell me what you think about them? I mean, I touched on it briefly yesterday. I, I, I think they have a lot of good young talent there, but realistically, I, I still see them being as, uh, well, it's a bit poetic, but you've chosen them to discuss last, and that's also where I've got a feeling they're going to finish in the conference standings. There you go. Hot take. Going to be down there. I think we're going to see... Some good signs this year, though. Yeah, obviously you don't want to see Kobe go from the game, but I'm quite excited to see what this team is actually gonna is actually gonna do without him and how they're gonna start shaping up. It feels like they can almost rebuild properly now and start the upward curve of their rebuild. I think you've, yeah, hit, you've hit the nail on the head in in not saying what you're kind of suggesting is. As much as it's sad for everyone to say goodbye to Kobe, it is the best thing for them because it was still, I'll give it to Kobe, pass to Kobe, pass to Kobe. They can now think we've got Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Brandon Ingram as well. You know, they've Julius Randle as well. They've got such a lot of young talent to not do something with it. It would be nice to see if they can try and who, who they're going to focus on post-Kobe. Timothy Moskov. <laughs> no. 
that that was a lot of money for oh, Moskov. Um, but but I mean, we joke about it. Like Moskov didn't have the opportunities he had two years ago last season for the Cavs, and so we all sort of think he's fallen off. But this is a league of opportunities, and two years ago he was a pretty solid player for them in 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 the playoffs. And I don't think I still think they've overpaid, but I think we're all um, underestimating how good he could be. He could on that team. It's just the the money, yeah. Take money out of it. That's what you've got to do, I suppose, with, with this contract because almost whatever he does, he's not going to live up to that contract. So kind of just forget about the contract for now and, yeah, enjoy his game, as you say, and see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a mad, mad summer money-wise. People were throwing, The Moskov signing was in that kind of era early on in the summer where they were just everyone was just having money thrown at them. Um, it's kind of the same with Luol Deng, who I respect hugely as a player. But seventy-two million, four years on Luol Deng, sixty-four on Moskov. Yeah, I think that's uh, an overpay. But again, I've got nothing but respect for Deng. Mm. I'm actually surprised he chose to go to LA. I thought he would have, you know, as he approaches the back end of his career, I thought he'd have chosen to go somewhere which had more of a chance of, of challenging and perhaps lacked a, perim- a guy who could play on the perimeter and play defense as well. But there are there is some good young talent there, and I think actually players like Deng will be really vital as, as role models for guys like Ingram. I mean, they're both 6'9 forwards. That they Ingram could learn a lot from the way Deng played, and, and to be honest, Ingram's got the potential to where he's got a much higher ceiling than Deng had. So I, I think... It was a wise decision by management, and that's probably why they've overpaid. They've they've gone for the sort of mentor role rather than his ability to contribute on the floor. Yeah, and you say it's an odd decision for Deng from his point of view. He's done Chicago, he's done Cleveland briefly, and he's done that kind of challenging for titles. Maybe he wants a new challenge, playing with all these young kids that can do all the running, um, and he can take on that kind of mentor role. And maybe he's happy, but the, the Lakers should be happy, and I think that's a really smart pickup. And um, like I said, despite the cash they've had to throw that way. Um, all, all the talk of all like the, the the new draftees. I think Jordan Clarkson is still for me going to be one of the main men this year. Yeah, I think he's a, I think he's another underrated player who's um, on on his upward trajectory. He <laughs> people talked about him being the best player on the Lakers last year. You know, because for however great Kobe was, he was not he was not Kobe last year. Um, Except for his last game. No, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> his field goal percentage is is. Was terrible. I uh, watched that game and I. Uh, what's, what's oh, that's two pods straight now. We've mentioned that game. Right. And it's not even in the league. Didn't didn't he, didn't he kind of hit twenty six out of fifty one shots or something stupid? He definitely took upwards of fifty shots. Yeah, he, he took a lot of shots. <laughs> anyway, so it was, it was ridiculous. Carry on with your Clark with Clarkson. Well, no, no I was, didn't really have a, a lot more to say on that. Other than I think he's um, an underrated talent. Um, I don't ever think he's going to be a, a superstar, but I think he could certainly be a solid player for a few years oh, I agree um, I think he's probably is the best player on this team at the moment oh yeah, at yeah. The moment. he's got a bit of experience under his belt uh, he's played a couple of seasons in the NBA compared to you know Brandon Ingram hasn't played a single game yet you know and everyone's expecting big things from him as a second pick overall as he would um, but it will be interesting to see how Clarkson transitions into what, starting role maybe I think for once there's just no expectations on this team and that and that suits Walton and this team Perfectly, really. They can just go out and play. And I think Walton's trying to bring a real uh, 
like the real fun factor into this team, isn't he? I've seen a few interviews and stuff where he said um, that that was one of the the key factors he believes in the um, the upwards curve at Golden State. Why they're so good now? Because they just love playing basketball with each other. Well, I hope that's the case. I mean, it could go for, for me. It could go either way. I can't predict their starting five. I can't predict how they're going to play, and I don't think anyone can. I think that's what you say. No one has any expectations, but it's not an insult. Particularly, it's a case of having. I personally have no idea how they're going to get on this season. I think they might do better than people think, though. Yeah, I mean, see, that's 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 the one difficult. Like, I'm saying they're going to finish bottom, but I still think there's a lot of potential there, and there is there's a lot of for uh, Laker fans to be excited about, which is ridiculous because if you think about on the other side of the conference for the past couple of years, the Philadelphia fans have consistently finished bottom, and there's been very little to be excited about. Um, I, I I think there's a lot of a lot of potential there, but I just don't think this. I think this year is going to be a growth year and a settling year. It'll be interesting to see whether there's any sort of aftershock, sort of tremors from the uh, D'Angelo Nick Young saga of last season, and see whether Russell's sort of everything's forgotten and, and swept under the rug, and he's accepted back into the fold. Um, there's it's amazing that the Lakers are still going to be relevant, if not from a from a competitive standpoint than just from a a team for the future and and general story narratives sort of perspective right well, well on that note we'll call it a day thank you for listening to the latest episode of the double clutch podcast you've been listening to our western conference preview and summer review um, make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms facebook and particularly twitter um, and thanks very much for listening uh, spy from all of us bye, bye.